Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to episode 156 of Eventually Super Train, short-lived TV show podcast. Cover short-lived TV shows. Never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train in this episode. We are covering Max Headroom, episode 2, with the great Tim <laughs> S. Turner. Then uh, me, myself, and I are discussing the fourth episode of Monster Squad. And then Mr. Christopher Bly is back one last time to discuss the final episode of Galactica 1980. Let's dive right in, folks. Let me play you a little bit of Max Headroom. And then I'll be there discussing some plot. Then Tim, <laughs> S. Turner, and myself will be uh, talking all over the episode. Here we go. Rakers, directed by Thomas J. Wright. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, story by James Crocker. Teleplay uh, by Steve Roberts and James Crocker. April 7, 1987. Uh, second episode of Max Headroom. And in this one, uh, Theora is looking for her missing brother, Sean. And Sean has become involved in a sport, and a sort of an underground sport called raking, which involves like skateboarding and like joust gladiatory type stuff and and um uh it's um becoming quite a popular sport in network 23 uh the network that theora and and edison you know and sort of max work for is interested in possibly buying it as a ratings booster and um uh sean and one of the things with the sport is yeah you get beat up a lot and people die and so theora is trying to find sean before he gets killed because he has a wife and a young child and and Edison is trying to help and meanwhile Max catches a bit of a, a kids TV show called Missile Mike which is basically a Rambo type show and uh, wants to try to get it off the air because it's so violent let me give you a little EQ blast and Tim S Turner and I are on the other side bam bam here's Rakers the second episode of Max Headroom, and I'm here with the great Tim Esther. Tim, how are you, sir? I am doing very, very well. How are you, Dan? I'm doing okay. Let's dive right into this. No faffing around. What did you think of Rakers? Tell me. Tell me. Um, well, I, I will tell you that uh, having – I actually rewatched all 14 episodes recently. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, like, when you, you contact me, it was very fortuitous. Uh <laughs> This is my least favorite of the series. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't really feel like there was much story there, and and really, it it kind of felt like it was establishing like what we discussed with um, uh, Kolshak, where it's like, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. It's I've uncovered something that mm -hmm. the media doesn't want you to know about, and now I've exposed it, and episode over. And um, I didn't really think Rakers was half as interesting as, say, people exploding from Blitverts. Yes. Um, it's just it's a little vague why it's so entertaining. Yeah, because they have a part in the in the uh, boardroom where they're like, oh, my God, look at this. This is, this. This is the ever. future of television. It's a bunch of kids on skateboards with um, I assume they're called rakes because it's rakers. Yeah. Uh, and they slashed each other when they go near each other that's mm -hmm. that's it yeah. there's never anything established about it's, what the rules are yes, what the, that's, that's what the, the objective <laughs> is that's the thing it's like don't you got to give us you know it's like it, it reminded me kind of of that that 
goofy game they play on Battlestar Galactica that's sort of like basketball, but not really, but it's really just to put the guys in tiny shorts. Yeah. And you sit there, and everyone's crazy about it, and they're cheering. Like, So the point of the game is just to throw the ball in that little hole? What? Yeah. Is that yeah. There must be more to it than that, because that... Does that does that involve a rule? I mean, like if 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 the objective is put ball in hole, so what? <laughs> is that I don't know. I guess the Galactica is one thing, and I guess they're pretty pretty bored in this society too. Twenty minutes in the future. I I, I just uh, there there were a couple of people in it that I you know I thought were interesting, uh, but I I I don't know. It just felt. Like uh, a running in place episode, which is kind of weird to put as your second Seconds. episode. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I loved most of this series. Uh, I, I think any series, no matter how good, is going to have something that's kind of a letdown. Mm. It's just a little weird to have it so soon after mm. the pilot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this. I, I've noticed this happens with a lot of shows that I like. Where because here's the thing: when I watched this episode, I got to the end and I thought, hmm. That seemed like um, I would have actually liked to spend more time with Max when he was getting confused over the TV show Missile Mike, which I yes. thought was the funniest part of the episode. That's the best part of the episode. Because Max keeps seeing this this thing called Missile Mike, which is just basically a guy shooting a gun over and over and over again. And he's like, <laughs> stop showing this. This is terrible. I could, someone has to stop this. Like, Max, it's a show for kids. What are you talking... And he's yeah. stuttering the whole time, you know. But what, 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 what are you talk, talking about, you know? And, and that was the best part of the episode, I thought. The, the thing with the... I mean, the, the tricky thing, too, is they do this thing with, like, Theora, I didn't know you had a brother. But we don't know anything about these people yet. It's only the second episode. And yeah, the first the yeah. first episode was world building and an origin. You know, you yeah. don't have... I, I'm wondering if this was one that, that maybe was like they made fourth or fifth. And then maybe... The only thing I can think of, and I brought this up in the last episode. 1987, of course, was the year of... Citizens on Patrol, Police Academy 4. <laughs> and in Police Academy 4, they actually cut out most of a long sequence with Sharon Stone Whoa. in order to fit a, fit a certain running time and they and they ins, in, in, inserted in there a sequence of a bunch of guys skateboarding for like four or five minutes. <laughs> so if you, if you go and you watch Police Academy 4, there's going to be a sequence where two new characters who do nothing for the series skateboard with their pals for like four or five minutes and then if you watch the bonus scenes, there's a pretty funny scene where um, where Mahoney is taking Sharon Stone's reporter character out on a date, and, and Harris shows up thinking he's on a date with her. And you're watching it going, so at some point, there must have been a point where, we're like, where they were like, well, we can put this funny scene in here and maybe take out, how about that scene with people we don't know skateboarding for five minutes? No, it's 1987. People love skateboarding. That's the only <laughs> thing I could think of. Because it's after, you know, after Back to the Future, like, skateboarding became, like, big again. And I remember falling down many times as a, as a child uh, trying to skateboard. And, um, but I think that's the only thing I can think of, that Rakers involves skateboarding. And when did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show? No, I, I don't know. I'm jumping all around here. But, like, I, I, think, I think that's the only thing I can think of is that it involves – because the episode itself – and I'm glad – like I said, I'm glad you said it because I was watching it thinking this, this episode 
doesn't seem to have enough for like a 30 minute long episode in no. it. And yeah, it's, go, exactly. it's going on for like, you know, they have like Edison meets up with this guy out, out like with all the people and he, they team up to get into the Rakers thing. But, there, but there's never, even though it's about like, like Theora trying to save her brother, there's a, there's a, there's, Blipverts has a really nice feeling of moving forward. This kind of doesn't. Right. It just it, it just it just feels like um, a series of individual scenes and then it ends. And there's no um it's like the direction of the edit something's off in the in the whole structure of it. And and may, maybe maybe Rakers is something that should have been in the first episode when more time was being spent developing the characters and stuff because Rakers isn't something that should be leading an episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think I think it's interesting. I, I when I was watching it uh, this morning, uh, <clears throat> we see that uh, the uh, the guy that um, Max teams up with, whose name is Rick. As soon as they show him, I, I was like, oh my god, it's Orpheus <laughs> <laughs> from the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's got the same shades. Yep. He looks yep. kind of like yep. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, and, and it was it was it was very it was a very odd moment, um, mm. but. That the whole episode to me, um, you know, like I said, it was it was kind of, kind of dull, and so my my mind was wandering. So every time I would see certain characters, I would start going, "Huh, that looks like so and so." Like one of the ba- <laughs> there's a scene where they're doing the raking, whatever uh-huh. in the, that arena. <laughs> and, that, yeah, that strange half pipe sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's an arena. I don't know what it was. It's all it's all sort of when they actually get to the actual sport. It it the closer they get to it, the sort of the vaguer it becomes. Like no one really thought <laughs> it through. Like we'll just have them wear like um they, they're wearing yeah. like almost claw type things. Not quite Freddy Krueger, more like the um the killer bear in Girls Night Out kind of thing. Yeah, a little smaller. That's exactly what and, I and, and, and but but imagine if the killer bear from Girls Night Out, when everyone went on the scavenger hunt, was on a skateboard. Oh, That's ex- and I not might have liked the movie even more. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that have been fantastic? <laughs> There's a bear with knives on his hands skateboarding towards me in the middle of the night. Yelling, die, whore. Yelling, die, whore, you whores. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so like you got the scene in the arena, and there's like a glass ceiling or something, mm-hmm. and you've got these backers up there, and yes. so one of them, I guess the main one uh, guy, uh, is supposed to be a representative of, of the Zigzag Corporation. Mm-hmm. So of course, once again, they have to make them sinister. You know, they're like, yes. I like this product very much. You know, <laughs> why? Uh, why? <laughs> I know why. So. They, the one dude who's like right next to him looks it totally remind. At first, I thought it was like uh, Lloyd Kaufman, <laughs> like doing a, a cameo, hmm. and then the other one who's got kind of like a scarred face. I thought I genuinely thought it was Reggie Nalder. But, oh wow! Okay. Uh, and yeah. I so I went to his IMDb and looked, and it wasn't, and it was really kind of bummed me out because I would have loved yeah. to have been right. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but you know. It was. It's just one of those episodes of a show where your mind wanders and you just yes. kind of start looking for anything that maybe interests you <laughs> that's and going you, on in the background or something. You know. Yeah, it's it's tricky, and you really do sort of wonder. Like when I was watching it, I thought, like like I said, I know you'd watched it, and you really enjoyed it, and I thought I really liked that first episode. Halfway through this one, I was thinking, oh no, is this going to be? The next twelve episodes are just going to be Tim going, Dan, I love this episode so much, and me going, yeah, it's got some good points. <laughs> uh, but, but luckily, I'm glad you said this was your least favorite because I thought if this is the worst, it's not. It's not terrible. It's just not 
very good. <laughs> it's a, and, I, and I think it comes down to the two things: is the the pacing is really slack, um, almost yeah. like like they got okay. We'd like the pilot give us five more episodes, and everyone stopped caring for an episode or something. <laughs> well, and, and also when you watch this episode, you kind of feel like bad for Jeffrey Tambor. I mean, yes. he has nothing to do. No, he, he, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they and they they kind of they they have Theora go away, and then and then she comes back exactly when they need her, and it's yeah. yeah it's, and same thing with Chris Young; he doesn't do anything in this. I think he has one brief scene. Uh, it, it just it, it feels like a uh, like a a writer's strike filler. <laughs> it does, you know, because there's a whole lot of nothing. That fills up fifty minutes somehow. Oh yeah, or or like or like we're on episode twenty two of twenty four. We're completely out of ideas. Oh, someone pitched this. We didn't like it. We still have it in the drawer. Use it. Okay. It's like I always heard this the story. What was it? The final season of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Have you heard this story? Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. And um, so we've heard this story, so we're not going to tell you. No, I, I, this this final story, the the fifth and final season, of The Incredible Hulk, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno one, was um the they got the fifth one was going to be the last one. Kenneth Johnson had an ending prepared, um and they were they were they were doing the writing prep for the season, and I guess like the new executive showed up, didn't like the show, and said they were going to cancel it. Something along the lines of like, oh well, no, we changed our mind, we're not going to cancel it, but you need to do like eight or nine shows right now, and they're like, we don't have anything prepared, and someone was like. Well, we got that drawer full of, pardon my French, shitty scripts. <laughs> the, the ones with, like, the, forgive me, midget wrestling. And Kenneth Jackson was like, okay, well, <laughs> they're forcing us to do this. They told us they'd give us a full season. So we watched the fifth season of Incredible Hulk. It's made up of eight or nine episodes that were rejected Hulk scripts that yeah. they made very quickly. And then Kenneth Jackson was like, okay, I figured out how the series is going to end. It's already over with that midget wrestling episode. Get out of my office, Johnson. And you just, oh my God, can you imagine? And it's just, and, and it's just like Rakers has a bit of a feeling of, it's like someone came up with the missile mic thing, which I, I do, I do legitimately like, and I wish yes. was in a better episode. I do like Max in the episode. He isn't in much, but I do like whenever he shows up. He seems to be in a different show almost. Like he's in the good show, and we're. <laughs> Not at least for this episode. Yeah, the missile mic thing is hilarious because it really is. It's a loop of this guy. Uh, he's he's dressed kind of like a like a mercenary, and all it is is they keep repeating the same shot over yes. and over again of him like doing like you know a Schwarzenegger like you know and he's blowing things up with his his machine gun whatever and. When when they go when they tell, when they tell Max Max it's a kids show the reaction is hysterical <laughs> and just finding out that it's a kids show is funny enough mm -hmm. yeah. like, you know my God yeah and it's it's the, the the episode is sort of peppered with little moments like that or the moment where the um Theora's brother uh, is is kind of getting mad at his wife and says something like you're always going on about it you like this TV that we can't turn off. And I thought, uh, I don't know, I don't know, did we get that in the previous episode, that they can't turn the TVs off? Um, no, I get the impression that, and I think that you see more of this in later episodes, that oh, Ma Max is able to turn the TVs on, if, you know, from within. That's, I, I, yeah, I do love, I do love Max, and I do love the, the concept of Max, just being someone who, who people like watching, 
but the network just he's just completely rogue and he yeah they can't control at him at all yeah. and he's learning as he goes and some of the things he's learning he doesn't he doesn't like and um but it's so funny because it's like you get max and he's so great the rest of the episode is so bad you know, and as it's going along, it's like, oh, the Japanese are interested. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? And it's just, it's, <laughs> it goes along. You're like, but who cares? And it's just, and when they get to that final big, you know, r- raking scene, and it's just two guys on skateboards going up, down, up, down, up, down. One guy gets sliced and falls down. I thought, this isn't interesting at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather watch Rollerball again, and I'm not a huge Rollerball fan. Yeah, I, I'm still to, I'm still absolutely puzzled how everybody is just drooling over this thing uh, as if like calling it the like the next big event in television yes. history. Really? Yeah, is television it's, that bad now. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 and it really like 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 I, I said kind of earlier, and the the closer you get to the show, the the game, the vaguer it becomes, and that's almost like someone came up with a basic idea, and then just no one developed it. It was like, uh, this guy's on skateboards, and they got blades, and they're slashing at each other. All right, well, why? For people's yeah. entertainment. Um, that's like that's like a boxing match with Mike Tyson. You know, it lasts a minute. Who's <laughs> No one's entertained by that. The only people who wins are, you know, are Mike and Don King. You know, I'm so it's I like... I paid $200 for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just paid, I just paid 30, 35 bucks on pay-per-view to watch a fight that lasted a minute. And that used to happen all the time in the late 80s into the 90s with Mike Tyson fights. You'd go oh, yeah. in knowing he was going to win in the first two minutes. You just wanted to see how quickly he won. <laughs> you know, and, and, and but that, that's sort of this thing. It's like, I mean, you got to be a... It's, it's just, it's... Something is missing from the episode. <laughs> I think one to make it interesting, and two to sort of make it all make sense. Like why, 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 why? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry, please. No, I, I just, uh, it's definitely, in my opinion, the weakest episode. I, my favorite episodes in season two, but because I think it really goes somewhere that that makes that that's still relevant today, and you'll see what what I mean when we get there. But. Um, but this one, yeah, this was just like uh, it was. It, it felt so empty uh, yeah. as far as a plot goes. It, it just felt like they really had nothing going for some reason. I I, I don't know why. <laughs> and and yeah, and, and I mean they 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 stick in stuff about Theora was an orphan and her and her brother, and they stick in some backstory, which is nice. But at the same, and 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 it's it's one of those things where like to people who like think shows back then never had like characters and things in them, you know, they're all sort of one and done and no one develops or anything. We, we get some character development in this, but we get in the middle of such a, a story that's like, I don't like, like this, there, there's a scene where Theora goes and talks to a guy in a restaurant who's immediately angry with her right. and just seems angry at the world. And the first time I watched it, I thought, what is the point of this scene? Why do we need this scene? And the second time I watched it, I was like, oh shit, not this scene again. <laughs> I had to watch it because I watched it, but it was just—I just thought I—I I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. It just—it just. I, I yeah. Something's off. Something's off with the episode. And I'm glad to know that this is the stinker of the series because this—it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've uh, 
pretty much made our opinions obvious on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have been one thing if, like, like it was, like, bum fighting or something. Not that I, you know, advocate that. But it would have been something like a fight club or something. Like, okay, we get that. Like, two guys standing in this arena beating the crap out of each other. I, I got it. You know, around this time, what, the Lou Ferrigno and was it? was it red brown they did the cage and then the cage two and the cage two is lou ferrigno being forced to fight you know they're being forced to fight like that i i, I get that you know people want to see that people are generally kind of gross but um uh but but just this is it's it's literally it's like just imagine going to a skateboarding park and there's like one of the half pipes and the kids are going up and down and and going through the curve and up and down except each of them have like <laughs> bladed gloves on and they're trying to swipe at each other yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost it's almost like I, I always wanted like the appeal of jousting. Like back in the day, like if you get someone really good, doesn't that end it? And I mean, if everyone sit, I mean, they must have had a lot of people when they because like whenever I see jousting, not not the video game with the birds and the lava. I mean, jousting actually, you're like you see them going towards each other and they're these huge staffs, joust swords. I don't know what the hell they are, you know, and it's like. Like I never, I know. What are the rules of jousting? Are there rules for joust? There must be rules for jousting, right? But this is sort of what that's like. It's like they go back and forth, but then when one of them hits the other, usually it's pretty painful and bloody, and they fall to the ground, and it's sort of like it's over. So, so it's like, it's, yeah, it's what's I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, yeah, because like other than you know hurting the other person i mean is there really any point to it i mean because it's yes. just they just go back and forth up and down the pipe and um and they slash at each other and that's it and the thing that's funny is like okay with with, with blipverts it made sense that they wanted to expose it because it was literally killing people for profit yes with raking they're like, oh well, they're they're exploiting young people. Like, well, not really. I mean, they're playing it regardless of whether there's cameras there. They it's yes. something that they just do. And it, and it wasn't like because you think you think that you, and you see all these people like out in the street eating rats and things. But then Theora's brother lives in a decent apartment with the wife and a kid. Yeah, and he he had a job at a restaurant, but he decided to do this instead. I mean, they could have dangled a bunch of money in front of him, but is I mean, if it's a if it's a grown man with a wife, a child, an apartment, rent to pay, bills to pay, and he has a good job, and someone says, you know, do this other thing, we'll give you a lot of money. Is that really exploiting? I mean, maybe it's meant to be that he's really stupid or something, but. Um... Is that really exploiting someone to do something like that and say, hey, you're doing this job. I'll give you three times as much money to do this other job where you might get hurt. Right. And you're like, I mean, to me, exploiting is taking like a homeless kid off the street and just saying, hey, you know, you don't have anything. I'm going to give you, you know, a thousand bucks if you come here and risk your life for an audience. That's right. that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exploiting. Exploiting somebody has nothing. But exploiting isn't, hey, grown man with, you know a life um quit this one job and do this it's it just it's just weird the way they present it and the fact that in the end it, i i forget what happens in the end do they they win is raking over i forget uh you know <laughs> this is so dumb i don't remember i don't remember either <laughs> oh, and i, I didn't write it, it down yeah edison goes on the air and uh-huh. you know talks oh yeah you know uh this is the horrible thing that's happening and that's it. I don't remember if they actually like end it. 
I I remember them putting a TV with Max in a window, and Max yells out to like a crowd or something. Yes. Or to the or something, you know, like, hey, they're doing this sport in here, and it's terrible. But then immediately they're like in the brothers' apartment, and they're all hanging out, and the episode ends. Oh, I thought that was Edison's apartment. Was that Edison? See, I I don't even know. I, th- I think when it got to the- – yeah, that's so – because I've noticed that happens sometimes with episodes of things that I don't really like. I, unless I write it down, I forget – I mean, I just rewatched this like two hours ago, and I don't remember the way – I remember the, the, rake, the, the, the rake scene. I remember Max saying this is bad stuff. I remember the closing scene in someone's apartment, and um, – but yeah – I guess we'll stop talking. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want you to think everyone thinking like right now. Like, why are they even doing this show? <laughs> I know. <laughs> All they did was complain. Well, we loved the previous episode, and like I said, um, I, I, here's, a, here's a show, and I'm going to stop talking. But um, I, there, there's a show. Uh, there's a show. Uh, one, one of my favorite TV shows is Get Smart. Yes. And if you've ever watched Get Smart, the first episode, Mr. Big, is written by Buck Henry and Mel Brooks, and it, it kind of looks a little weird now because so many there have been so many spy parodies since then that some of the jokes in it are like you've seen before other places have done following it but if you take it in the context of its time and you like to laugh it's a very funny episode the direction isn't the best it's not really directed for action it's directed more like a sitcom but it's still very funny then if you watch the second episode diplomat's daughter it really feels like no one thought the show was going to become a series because if you watch Mr. Big, they throw everything into it. And then Diplomat's daughter like backs way off. Yeah. And it's just it's just like the amount of there's still a lot of jokes in it cuz it's a sitcom, but like the all the parody they just back way off of everything and instead of like trying to parody everything spy related in 25 minutes, they pick a couple things. And so Diplomat's Daughter, if you watch it immediately following Mr. Big, feels like a disappointment. It feels like a, oh, really, kind of episode. But then the show gets better as they kind of get the hang of it. But I, th- I think, to, to me, this sort of has that, where they like did the first episode, like, oh, you're giving us more? Uh, how, how about this one? And it's like, uh, no. No, thank <laughs> no. you. So, but I, I have seen that happen, where you watch a pilot, and then the second episode is just like, What? Really, that's what you thought the next episode should be. Hmm. Well, okay. it, you know, especially uh, with uh, stories like this, it, it it takes a while to establish characters, mm-hmm. and you know, to the point where, uh, you know, I mean, great. I, I think it's, it it works more in sitcoms where. Uh, you'll get a lot of sitcoms where they'll say, you know, like the fourth season of a sh- third or fourth season is where you really see this show kick in kind of thing because now you can anticipate how a character is going to react based on their previous behaviors that's been established. Like, I mean, honestly, I know this is going way off base, but when, if you listen to a 1940s or fifties episode of the Jack Benny show on radio, you can hear the audience losing it. Before Benny even says something, yeah, because yeah. they know how he's gonna react. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's why it's funny because they've established the characters, mm-hmm. right? And I think yeah. with the with this episode, it's kind of like a running in place thing because at this point, we really don't know much about anybody. Yeah. Other than mm-hmm. you know Edison is 
determined. Yes. Uh, to, you know, uh, the, the truth is what's most important. And, you know, Theora wants to help him. And, you know, Murray's the flustered boss who, who's kind of <laughs> caught in the middle. And that's about uh, it. You don't really get much advancement with this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I think I, I now I have not seen the next one, but can I assure people that it will be better? Yes. Okay. Yay! <laughs> so, so we'll stop raking around now. Do you have anything else on this one, Tim? Uh, I, I don't actually. Okay, so let let me uh, let me just uh, oh oh let me uh, when when is this going to go out? This episode. This will be the fifteenth, twenty-two. This will go out the e- end of this month. So uh, I'll ask you if you got anything going on. Um, uh, three, two, one. So, Tim, what uh, what's going on? What's happening? Where are you? What's going on? Well, uh, Kelly Hogaboo and I are Yay. hosting our podcast, Beauty the Beast and the Bees, a genre film podcast, and we're going to be covering four films, uh, The New Indiana Jones, uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, People Under the Stairs, and Prince of Darkness. Mm. Nice. Nice. Yeah, tune in. They do a they do a swell job, everyone. I say tune into that. Yeah, that's it for uh Rake. I, I thought you were gonna say something like I, I'm gonna be uh raking tonight <laughs> out uh, it's I'll be in downtown Sacramento raking. Or I could on say Friday. that's so raking. That's that's I bet that's what they they probably had shirts printed. Dude, that's so raking. Yeah. <laughs> And could you imagine if if Rakin had, had become popular? This had been something we may have had like action for the Max Headroom playset. Now with Rakin Halfpipe. Oh, <laughs> oh, and 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 then when they make it into a Saturday morning cartoon, they hit each other with pies instead of having blades. Oh yeah, they or the, you know like a licorice whips or something. Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, licorice whip. Yeah, come on. Um, so that's Rakin <laughs> or Rake. That, that's breaking. That's that's um. Break into break into electric book. No, uh, I don't know what I'm saying here, folks. Let's go on to another episode of something. Let's uh, let's this uh, let's go to this. to Madison Round Garden. That's where the circus is. The ringmaster has demanded that the city pay him $200 million for the release of 20,000 orphans. If the ransom is not paid within an hour, the ringmaster will not hold himself responsible for the fate of the children. Do not try to enter the building. If any attempt is made to save the children, the city will lose a lot more than two hundred million dollars. Oh boy, wouldn't you want that, huh? When in true Monster Squad fashion, it cuts from twenty thousand children to the same six kids over and over again. Hi everyone, it's Dan. I thought I'd just play that for you because that's that's the plot line of this one. We're at Madison Round Garden, and the ringmaster, who is a um, uh, the, he calls himself the impish impresario. He's not a um, he's not a tall gentleman. Has um, two uh, two helpers. Well, m- more or less Bonnie Bond, who's a 
who's a young, thin woman in a fat suit who's constantly eating, and um, a strong man. I believe he's known as Samson the Great. And so, uh, yeah, this this is Monster Squad episode four, the Ringmaster. Let's let me let me get you let me get you some specs on this. The Ringmaster aired. Let's see, Billy Curtis. Oh, Billy Curtis is the Ringmaster, and. Um, October 2nd, 1976. Hey, we're entering um, a scary time of year. And yeah, the, the thing with um, DVD case, the thing with the Ringmaster is that he um, he has a stupid gas bomb that he is going to set off, which will turn all 20,000 of the orphans at Madison Round Garden stupid. And oh, I apologize. I forgot to um, mention that the writer of this episode is Jay Thompson. The director is Herman Hoffman, who directed, I believe, quite a few uh, Batmans. And this has sort of the zaniness of, of the uh, the Batman uh, episode. Uh, Batman episodes. And so, yeah, this is the Ringmaster. And um, like I said, he has um, a strong man, and he has Bonnie Bond, who's just in her pink dress, constantly eating. And um, there's a lion, and there's a stupid gas bomb, and, and Wolfie talks to a lion, and there's a there's a big fight followed by another big fight later on. Sort of reminds me of, um, you know, the way uh, the way when Batman started, they they kept the fights. It's Sam Strongman, yeah. It's uh, Simone Griffith as Bonnie Bond, H.P. Haggerty as Sam Strongman, and uh, yeah, Billy Curtis as the Ringmaster. And uh, it sort of reminds me of the fact that they have the two fights here. Like I said, in if you watch the Batman TV series. Um, they uh, and you and you start with the first two episodes. I think I may have said this before, but it's actually if you go back and you start with the first two episodes and you kind of pretend like you don't really know anything about the show, and you watch that initial two-parter uh, with the Riddler. Um, I forget what the plot is. It's the one with Jill St. John where she looks like Robin, and then she what a way to go go that where he does the bat two C. And the great thing about that one is, like I said, and I'm, this is the third time I've said it. And I'll stop saying it. Watch it like you've never watched it before. Start at the beginning there. And just watch as the weird things happen. You know, if, if you dive into the show 20 episodes in, 30, 40, 50, 100, 110, um, all the sort of things that make the show kind of weird and, and wonderful have have happened. And you're seeing variations of them or sometimes you're just seeing them kind of beat to a pulp. But the joy of that first episode is you're seeing everything for the first time. And one of the cool things is that if you didn't know the way they were going to do fight scenes, the first big fight scene in the two-part Batman opener comes at the end of the first, at the end of the second part, at the end of it. So you get to the end and you think, okay, here's going to be a big fight scene. And then all of a sudden you get the pow, bang, bams. And you're like, whoa, what the heck? And for all of it, but not, not, um... Uh, not all of it, but but for, for not every episode of the first season, but quite a few of them just have one fight per episode. I think like Zelda the Great, I don't think actually has a bad fight in it. Um, but by the time you get to the second series, they do at least one bad fight episode. Sometimes they do two. And this one is the first one where they do two big brawls. They do one at the beginning when the, when the uh, Monster Squad show up, and then they're um, zoinked and put in a cage with a lion, and then they do the final fight, which involves, you know, giant uh, um, barbells and a and, um, uh, bunch of dumbbells, too. Hee <laughs> hee! Uh, and um, they're not pillows, but like, like 
bags of wood crap in them and feathers and junk are flying all over the place. And it's, um, it is funny, like, you can't punch someone, and yet the ringmaster can swing on a trapeze across the room and, you know, kick Dracula over. Isn't that violent? I don't know. But, yeah, the ringmaster is up to no good, and it all ends with a big joke where Frank is sprayed with a smart gas and can suddenly name the first, like, five presidents. Which I guess is pretty smart. Yeah, so well done, Frank. I don't know how long that lasted. Frank, Frank gets a couple moments in here. He has the moment where he yells that he wants to go to the circus and everyone's like, whoa! Um, he gets really excited about going to the circus. They dress as clowns and there's some confusing stuff about, like, they can't really go to the circus as monst- as the monster squad, so let's dress as clowns, but then they won't they just look like clowns who are either dressed as monsters who are or monsters who are dressed as clowns and then one people know they're the monster squad and whatever but it doesn't really matter because that that uh, little sound bite that wasn't really a sound bite I just put the microphone up to the uh, speaker while I stood by it uh, that little sound clip there happens as they're about to go to the uh, the the circus and uh, and and again I mean I think the uh, the circus sort of set the ring, when the ringmaster is sort of in 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 his in his set there it's much um it makes more sense uh, than say than say the the ticklers really weird setup with that opening room that doesn't seem to make any sense this one if if it's meant to be a circus tent and it's meant to be then there are technically sort of no Walls, really. They're just the tent walls. I guess those are walls, right? So so, so they could put up tent stuff in front of the walls of the studio. It's like the uh, Doctor Who Greatest Show in the Galaxy, where they, um, which much of it takes place inside a circus tent, and they were going to shoot it in the studio and set up like a circus tent within the studio, but then there was an asbestos scare, so they actually shot it in a parking lot at the BBC, and they set up a circus tent in the parking lot. So when you see them in the circus tent sets in the Greatest Show in the Galaxy, they are actually in a giant tent that they erected in the in in a parking lot, uh, which is which is cool because because you could tell when you're watching it that there's something about the circus set and the hallways in the like the, these strange long I know what you said hallways in a circus of course why not um, these strange little hallways and rooms of the circus that feel different from regular Doctor Who sets and it's because it is different. And this feels great, too, because they feel like they're enclosed in a tent, more or less. I mean, it still is, when, when you look around the back, it is, I mean, there are clowns and there are sort of merry-go-round horses, but then there's also, like, they've got, like, a Barbara Eden wax statue or something. I Dream a Genie, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it, it's funny, like, the, the setup being that this all begins in a wax museum, and then half the and then the ringmaster set and some of the the tickler set is set up with stuff that like you'd find in a wax museum. Right? So it's just whatever it was probably whatever props they had laying around they just threw in the back there and hoped they looked circusy. And it generally looks pretty circusy there where the um, the ringmaster is and his lion and, and Sam and and Bonnie Bon. Uh, and overall, it's a fun episode. I mean. I think what I'm going to try with the next one is hopefully have Madeline back. I'm sorry that, that she's not here. She's actually out and about this afternoon, and I have to, I uh, I have had a cold. And it's one of those colds sort of where I'm okay right now. It's the morning. I'm okay. But as it goes on, I get more and more stuffed up and aggravated. And I'm doing this now before that happens. And so uh, so I'm, so I'm doing this now. So, um, but, but with the next one, what I might try is... Um, 
Is that Leaf Garrett? No. I was looking at the kids. In the, no, that, no, that's not. That's, um, no, no, Leaf Garrett. This is not 76. No, that couldn't have been Leaf Garrett. There's a kid who, for a second, one of the kids at the top left looks a bit, look, I thought it was Leaf Garrett. Because um, he, he'll show up. Like, Leaf Garrett will randomly show up at things. I watched, what was it? What did I watch the other night? I watched um, Irwin Allen's Flood. And he's in there briefly, you know. And he just show, obviously he's in Devil Times Five. He just shows up just randomly. You will start to see, like by this point, the there are certain things that are very set in stone. There's that building entrance with like the big glass door and the glass, the window, and the sort of empty space with the door on either side. Which it says it's Madison Round Garden. What room is that? You're going to see that room and that doorway a lot. You're going to see a weird kind of slightly cheap like set corner. I'm wondering they've got like almost like a Christmas tree kind of thing standing there. I'm wondering if that's going to be there. But you'll see, yeah, you'll see that that entranceway appears a lot. I love the fact that like when they were putting Monster Squad together, like like what sort of standing sets will you need? Well, obviously we'll need the museum set. That'll have to be there the whole time. Um, and then we'll need some sort of studio space that we can redress as the, as the villain's lair. Also, do you have like a... Uh, oh, no, it's two doors. It's not a door and a window. It's, I'm sorry, it's two glass doors. Like, like yeah, like uh, entering a supermarket or, or an office building or something like that. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but it's like, do, do you happen to have a flat that we can put up and put two glass doors in? Would you want a room beyond that? No, nah, just a big empty room with some doors, you know, with nothing on it. Okay, that sounds great. All right, yeah, that, we got that. That's what Monster Squad needs. So that's what Monster Squad gets. And let, let's talk real quick about um, the ringmaster himself. He's fine. He um, occasionally, it, it's funny. Occasionally, his delivery is a little strange. So he'll say he'll deliver a line, and it'll seem slightly off. Like what what the line says he was saying. Like some of the lines regarding stupid gas. The way he delivers the lines, they come out sounding a little odd. Uh, but that's okay. I mean. Um, and then his two henchmen, Sam the Strongman is fine. Bonnie Bon, I'm not a huge fan of. In fact, at one point when the ringmaster is watching her eat, he says, Bonnie, if you weren't so beautiful, you'd make me sick. And she kind of does make me sick. Like I said, I'm, I guess she's meant to be the fat lady. I like the carnival kind of thing. I don't know why you would have had someone like that instead of, say, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a trapeze artist or an acrobat or, or even a clown, maybe. I don't know. I, I guess you got the Monster Squad dressed as clowns, so you're not going to have um, maybe someone in there dressed as a clown, too. But I don't know why they chose a fat lady, and I don't know why they chose a thin lady in a fat suit. Um, and she's got a big dress that's got pockets. One is like labeled cake. One is labeled misc. And she's constantly eating and shoving a banana in her mouth at one time, and her face is covered with like chocolate and just like food. And I, I'll say this. Um, I was forgetting until I started watching this that like Watching people eat and like watching them get covered in food, watching people stuff their faces, watching their faces, I know is a fetish for some. It ain't for me. I'm like the ringmaster, except um, I'm much closer to getting sick when I watch her eat. Uh, for some reason, I don't, I, I don't, I don't wave my fist in anger when I see Bonnie Bond. But I just think she's kind of gross, and there's something about her that's just kind of well, and she is gross. Like I said, the ringmaster says it. So it's like Bonnie Bond. Not a fan. In fact, I, I'd love it if she wasn't in the episode because every time she shows up stuffing her face covered in food, I get a little queasy. Uh, there she is sitting in the background with the lollipop. Just, ugh. Sorry. Uh, 
sorry, I don't, I don't see the point of it. And I'm sure as a kid, I probably would have been a bit sickened by it too. But anyways, the, episode, the rest of the episodes run around. They get locked in a cage with a lion. There's um, some fights and, and the kids cheering. And um, Walt does his best to amuse the kids or the six kids, the 20,000 kids or the six kids or whatever it is out, out in there. And doesn't do that great. But he certainly does his best, and it's, it's kind of amusing to, to watch him doing that. The, the tricky thing with it is that there's never really any feeling, because it's always, you cut from the ringmaster to the six kids. You cut from the six kids to the ringmaster. So there's never a feeling that they're in the same room. There's always a feeling like they're sitting in completely separate spaces. Like the, you know, they just set up some chairs and a riser in the corner of the studio, and they put the ringmaster in front of a circusy type thing in another spot. So there's the, there's a weird disconnect throughout the episode. Now I will say Bonnie is the one who captures the monsters the first time, which is fun. Um, there, there is behind the kids. I, I do note that there is there are drawings of people, and the drawings kind of go up and recede behind them. So I'm wondering if those drawings are meant to be, you're meant to look at them and go, oh, that's more people. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, it's, like I said, it's it's a fun episode. It's It moves very slow. And, like, and I think next time I watch this, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to have commercials standing by. Pick commercials out like Saturday morning, 1976 or something like that. I'm sure I can find them on YouTube. And what the episode is what twenty four minutes, so we'll have six minutes of commercials. I'll, I'll try to find where the commercial breaks are. I know there's one in the middle, and I'm sure there's one either after the opening credits or before the closing credits. And I'll pick out like six minutes of commercials. And whenever we get a commercial break, I'll lean over to my laptop. I'll watch commercials for a couple minutes, and then we'll go back to the show and see if it feels different. Because this episode, like I said, is what like twenty four minutes, but it feels like it goes on for about forty five. That's not terrible because it's colorful and it's fun and it's silly and there's a lot of goofing around and jumping. But boy, it is slow. And I know what you're saying. Dan, well, it's, it's 1976. Yeah, I know it's 1976. And I can watch tons of stuff from 1976 and not be bothered by the pace. This just feels like it goes on for a very long time. And I'm wondering if having the commercials in the space they should be in makes it seem better. If, if you're t- taking a break and watching a Frankenberry commercial, watching something for Play-Doh, watching something for, you know, whatever the other latest fun toys are and stuff like that, you know, might not, McDonald's commercial, might not, Zingers, ah, that's mainly Charlie Brown, um, might not make it feel different. But anyways, that, yeah, that's, that's the ringmaster, everyone. Um, you know, everything is definitely in place here. You get the, the way it opens is the same, and you get the, the bad guy with the two henchmen, and you get the sort of the sets, and you get that, that, the, that doorway set, which I find very strange but kind of wonderful. You get the monsters doing their thing. You get the nonviolent fight, which borders on some violence here and there. And that's, um, that's it. That's the ringmaster, everyone. I do not know which episode is next, but I'm going to have a look. Music Man. Oh, oh, boy, there won't be any overacting in this one uh so yeah that's this one everyone and um oh i do like the uh, i'm just looking here at the um the wheel that they spin your problem surprise farewell are you in trouble some fun things you know it's like one of them wheels you spin and it lands on, whatever so that's that's uh monster squad episode four everybody and now let us take a deep breath and listen to the theme from galactica 1980 one last time <laughs> Thank you.
right, here we go, everyone. The last episode of Galactic 1980, the Galacticaverse on our show, is over because we'll never cover the reboot show because it went on for several seasons. So Galactica 1980, The Return of Starbuck, directed by Ron Satloff, written by Glenn A. Larson, May 4th, 1980. In this one, um, what is it? Uh, Dr. Z has a dream and tells um, Adama about it, and the dream is about Starbuck. A crash landing on a planet where he finds a Cylon ship crash landed. He puts a Cylon together. He makes friends with a Cylon. They meet a young pregnant woman and they get involved in some shenanigans and there's a little twist ending. Um, it's, it's, we go into it pretty, pretty much, pretty much in detail, but that, but that's kind of the long and the short of it. It's, it's about, it's a kind of an odd couple, uh, a slash enemy mind sort of thing with the Cylon and Starbuck and this, this woman there who's kind of in a different place. I'm not going to go too crazy into it, but let me give you a little bump bump. And Mr. Christopher Bly and I will wrap up Galactica 1980. Bop bump. The Return of Starbuck, the last episode of Galactica 1980, the last episode of this Galactiverse. And I'm here one more time with the great Mr. Christopher Bly. Sir, how are you? So we had to say goodbye for the summer. Out in space and stars, it's all within the bars. We switched on to the TV set, going to Galactica 1980. I'm kind of a little sad that we're at the end of this big journey over here, but it's nice to see Starbuck back. Um, I think it's nice to see Starbuck. Let me ask you, was it nice to see Starbuck back? Boy, I have to say, I'm watching this episode, and by the way... Um, for those of you who are looking for the entire cast of this particular version of Galactica, uh, be warned, this is more of like a six or seven character, and mm. not, and hate to say this as a spoiler, Barry Van Dyke and Kent McCord are not in it. They are oh. not here. When I first was watching this episode, my first thought was, uh, are we going the path of the Trail of the Pink Panther here? Oh. Where we're assembling outtakes from the past and trying to make a narrative of our story complete with a character that is quote unquote making his return my first thought but thankfully no that's not where this goes and that's a very good thing mm -hmm. i have to say in watching this i got a bit emotional during this episode yeah. i have to be totally honest with you mm -hmm. it's like this was one where you really felt like starbuck you know first off we start that Dr. Z has a dream, and he's talking to Adama in present day form, also looking like he just came from the production of The Man for All Seasons, as uh, one Wolfman Jack looked like a couple of episodes ago. Uh, but, uh, but basically, he talks about this dream of a soldier named Starbuck, and we see him embroiled in action. And uh, we have Boomer, and Boomer's Yay. got lines, and he's in more than one scene, bless us. Yes, you know? yeah. And we get, so I believe, the one and only time our wonderful Adama is clean-shaven. Yes, yes. In this, in this yeah, particular yeah. dream. Hey, yes. we don't see that uh, that the kind of, uh, of Guy Fawkes beard that he's been having on this whole <laughs> entire time. But, uh, but there's a point where uh, what we learn is Starbucks' ship gets damaged practically beyond repair, and it's a point where he feels he's not going to be seeing everybody anymore. Mm -hmm. And we do kind of feel between him and Boomer out in space and 
him going off that we're not going to see Starbuck anymore. It and really I, does. It, they they do a decent moment, job of it, yeah. And for one moment, literally with them, these guys get teary-eyed. I said, like, I'm getting teary-eyed. Yeah. I said, boy, I said, yeah. we haven't seen this. It's a way of saying, wow, we haven't seen this character. Like, what, he's going? Oh, yes. no. It's like, it's like we never – that's one thing we I could say about any of the versions of the show that were from the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm not talking about the other one that's way into the future. <laughs> uh, we That – We've never seen somebody in dire action with a ship that yes. is, you know, like, you know, like usually they're able to make it out and do, have some repairs or mm-hmm. get to one of those. This would look like, geez, this could be the end. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, so he basically, you know, what ends up happening is he has enough strength in his ship to go to this green planet, unknown planet on that one. And basically it's the Starbucks show, mm-hmm. basically on this one, which I got to say I said, okay, guys, we're going in a direction, and forgive me for saying this, but I feel like this could have been the backdoor pilot of either a, you know, Starbuck in space. Starbuck in the Cylon, yeah. Starbuck in the Cylon, or even uh, Planet Starbuck, you know, Mm -hmm. basically, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which did not involve coffee. No, no, not at all. (laughs) But, uh, but it's you know, you get the last-ditch effort. I think it was like a last-ditch effort. That you know the, the the network said, hey, let's get somebody from our last show mm-hmm. that everybody will recognize that will know, and maybe just maybe this could be the hail mary pass that we need to go into the end zone and yeah. say maybe a second season, guys. This shows some promise. This shows some hope. And I got to be honest with you, I liked that kind of like uh, Twilight Zone lonely approach yes. that this took, where he's now on his own, and I guess you know movies like The Martian. And um, even Castaway probably could have learned from this episode of Mm -hmm. here's a guy that's on his own. He's trying to make a world of his own of sorts. And, you know, of course, he finds out there's a Cylon that came along with this because it was a Cylon attack. And one Cylon crashed into that. And he says, look, you know, the twist of fate, which is basically um, I'm relying on a Cylon, uh, like a wreckage for me to survive. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. becoming everything he hates on this one, but he's good old Starbuck, complete with cigar, anywhere, <laughs> anytime, along with Dirk Benedict, he, he likes yeah. his cigars, as far mm-hmm. as I know, you know, he carried that over to the 18 with George Papard, mm-hmm. but, um, but uh, and he goes on, and he sees that he could do some good, he has this wonderful color bar scanner that has him take a wrecked Cylon into a one, and basically, I, you know, I also thought of another show that was covered on this very podcast, which is Planet of the Apes. Oh, yes. I thought of that episode of Trap, which was mm-hmm. one that I remembered very mm-hmm. well from watching the reruns of that show. And it was one of those ones where it's almost like a two-character thing yes. where these two guys on two different sides are kind of in there for each other, you know, more so than expected, you know, and learning from each of the sides what makes them them, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, you know, there's a bonding. Uh, he's teaching the Cylon how to play cards. I mean, come on, Pyramids. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but all the time he's saying, "You are my enemy." Not, you know, not, not, uh, you know, not on the same side as you. You are my enemy. It's repeated, repeated. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of those things where it's an episode where you learn, you know, sometimes the uncontrollable can't be controlled, mm-hmm. but they they'll just never change their ways. It's yeah. the way that it is, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, sometimes you know, as much as you want to change somebody for your appeasement. It's just not going to happen, but they're going to go mm-hmm. a path of, you know, where they believe they determine that they want to go. Yeah, I could read a lot into this. It gets a bit, <laughs> exist- it does get a bit existential, mm-hmm. 
I will say that. Uh, and um, and like like I said, there's there was a there was some emotional moments. I mean, there's a woman that somehow comes out of nowhere. I don't know yeah. where the Cylon found it, and somehow Starbuck has this ability, like Burke Convy used to have, where he notices that a woman is pregnant. <laughs> Mark <laughs> used to do this thing on Super Password where he used to be able to, to guess the, the, the sex of a baby, and successfully he did it many times. So I'm going like, okay, so this, does this guy have like a Burt Cobb yeah. power here? So he sort of knew that. And, you know, as we as we learned, you know, all of a sudden, well, it looks like the Cylon did not come down here without company. Mm-hmm. Because a few others show up. But yes. it was one of those ones where, you know, all the work and all the effort, and it has a lot of Starbucks narration. We have some from Doctor Z, but hearing the really good dialogue, I got. That's why I said there are such good dialogue mm-hmm. in the last three episodes uh, that we've covered uh, within yes. this last effort. That I said, you know, we got some quotable lines, and I can't say yeah. that about most run of the show, aside from anything that Robert Reed said. But uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's got ones that I said, okay, we're starting to go in the right direction. Yes. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, I said, we're making a U-turn, a last-ditch effort. We've got to make this. And I said, and Starbuck is doing this whole, you know, voiceover narration that I think is terrific. I'm yeah. all like, wow. I said, I said, you know, I would watch the show if it's Starbuck is stuck on, on a planet. He's named it his own. And now what comes onto this planet that has him set up? Or where is he looking outside of that or any kind of dilemmas that he's got on this planet? Uh, you know, this would have been like the perfect backdoor pilot that I would have said, mm-hmm. I would watch this. You know, yeah. I am not kidding. You know, it was, like, it was yeah. one of those ones. And it was such a great performance by Dirk Benedict coming back. They brought yeah. him back for a good reason. And whoever was in the Cylon uh, thing. Well, it's funny. I didn't mention this is that on a previous episode, we did get a hint of a perilous leader. And mm-hmm. strangely. Oh, enough, yes. That perilous, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And strangely enough, that perilous leader. And it, obviously, it's footage from the past here. But. All of a sudden, it's voice different. And I said, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, and it might have been uncredited. I have a feeling it was. But I know this actor was associated with that studio for one movie around that time. And it sounded a lot like David Warner. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. And, I, and if you re-listen to it, I mean, I don't think he had credit uh, on that one. But I'm, I would, I would, I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but mm-hmm. I would either place or show on that one. That it was yeah. David Warner, but just like the, like I said, the, the Cylons still have an involvement somewhere along here. But just that fact that you had that, it doesn't sound like Patrick McNee. It mm-hmm. does not sound like Jonathan uh, uh, Harris. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like any of those people, or not even John Colicos for that matter. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like David Warner. But coming back to this, now the Cylons don't sound as robotic mm-hmm. as they once did. It sounds like. They're starting to get a bit of normalcy. I don't know if this was like a kind of like a foreseeing thing of all oh, the Cylons are becoming more human mm-hmm. in this case because we kind of had that a little bit when we saw the part two of the Halloween special. Yeah, there. and this you know, Cylon like, does get get does get uh, does get angry at one moment. Mm-hmm. It's Starbuck when he learns that Starbuck has been altering the rules of the game just so he'll just to, for fun, and he kind of the Cylon kind of storms out. Cheater. <laughs> But uh, there's a lot, a lot of great planet shots. A lot of great, like, one. yeah, that, that, like very, very, um, like first half hour planet, the, the original Planet of the Apes kind of thing, like a very, mm. very desolate space that Star, uh, Starbuck is in. And he, he made an interesting residency for the side of the mountain that he had there mm-hmm. on that one. Yeah, right, right down to when he lands. That's kind of like the beginning of the movie where you have that 
the kooky landing that Heston makes in that movie. Yes, yeah. Like I said, a cu- the last couple of episodes kind of make reference to Planet of the Apes when you really think mm-hmm. about it, you know? Or it was on the mind, I guess, either for the filmmakers or even the scriptwriters in that case. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, and he just says, uh, we are enemies. I am self-sufficient. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this line repeats a lot, you know? And uh, what was it? And he calls his reconstruction Psy. Yes. Which is, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's as common as that. Now, here's the thing. As we learn later, he has a full name all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Cyrus. As like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> and somehow the, ga- the the female that comes into this, you know, almost making the Gene Marsh-esque cameo from The Lonely mm. here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Big time. Uh, I, all of a sudden they say, oh, well, be, be easy, Angela. I said, wait a minute. When did, when did they name her? You know, like, when did the state come in? I said, I'm seeing it coming in now. Yep. This could, could this be a syndication situation? Mm. Or did the fact that they just feel like, well, it's an angel that came down from our planet, yeah. and we couldn't think of another name, so Angela mm-hmm. was was put to mind there. Almost the, Also happens to be the same title of the theme from Taxi, mm. which is another story <laughs> I'll think of, but also at that time an ABC product. Mm. Um, but I also could have called the show Me and My Cylon, you know? Yeah. Yeah, enemy, enemy, enemy mine with Starbuck. Starbuck yes, and the with Cylon. Starbuck and Cyrus. Uh, yes. Star Side. Star Side yes. a good good name for the show too in that one. So. Yeah, it's um. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Were you uh? And please. they also make here's the other thing. They say first night of Dune. I said, oh, mm. are we on Arrakis? Oh. Mm. Good God! Is it is uh, this is, does this make uh, Starbuck in a treaty here? This would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch out! Watch out for those hard coated. You know, they can have any thorn, but they're ugly and sticky, mm. and God knows one of them looks like uh, Stig. But uh, <laughs> at least in one version. Uh, in the one version, yeah. yeah. And a fun yeah. version. But the, it goes like I said. There's existential moments, and uh, the lady not exactly mute, so we can't. Ex- well, they mm. call her Angela, but so now we can't call her Nova because it could have been the cousin yeah. of Nova. Yeah. But then again, we learn later with Nova that. She does also have sort of a voice at one point there. In the end, yeah. <laughs> In the end, yeah. And it's it's like, and then, well, we find out as kind of the one predictable thing of this, since this is Dr. Z's dream, mm-hmm. we start to realize that this is about him. Yeah, and In the end, start, yeah. In the end, and it was not that Starbuck didn't exact, didn't birth this, uh, this child. He ended up becoming like the spiritual dad yes, of this, this. child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um... And what and, was it? And, 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 uh, and somehow the, the Cyrus became the godfather. Yes, Doctor Z's <laughs> Doctor Z apparently is yeah his, his godfather is a Cylon. You know, and they, a, could, they could make Starbuck into a half human, half Cylon in this one, which I think would have been an incredible that twist. Would have been so it, like, yeah. Holy shit, he's got both sides mechanical. Yeah, Never like a cy- cyborg. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Put Starbuck on the high chair. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it just just reminds me that you know, like once again, we didn't get to see Barry Van Dyke and. Uh, Kent McCord yeah. in any of this episode, basically because you know they flew off into the sunset on their fly cycles. Yes. Basically, uh, in the mode of chips in that case in mm-hmm. that episode. But mm-hmm. here, like I said, it 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 had a lot of of what we know of Starbuck amongst this history, mm-hmm. and you know it's like say like oh give my love to Cassiopeia, yes. which is so oh that's another one that was like breaking. Heartbreaker. Yeah. Shoot, I said you know he's not going to see Cassiopeia anymore. Yeah. My God, you know, just kills you. Yeah, and like I said, there was emotional moments here that I said were legit, totally yes, legit, completely. And, yeah. And uh, you know, the other name of the show that they would think they were call, were going to call this 
if they made this a backdoor pilot, was going to be the um, uh, Does Dr. Z's Dream of Electric Sheep? <laughs> there okay. is a Felga garb. There is a, uh, there is a frack in mm-hmm. this episode. I guess they had to include it because, hey, one of you guys from the past guess one of your key lines here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, and uh, basically, it ends on a note that I thought was like, wow, this could be the end on this one here, you know? But yeah. and yeah. but also, maybe one, like like I said, this could, pro- could have probably gone, like I said, back to a pilot. But in the end, I got to say, man, you actually had some things that were just quite wonderful with this that i mm-hmm. said you know short but sweet and the silence I, yeah like you had the sacrifice with the cylons which i think was just such touching and it had yeah. to me one of the i gotta say best lines oh yeah oh yeah first off i what i have on a shirt paid i love you <laughs> oh, at yeah. least i'm not dead <laughs> i thought that was great and then, and then basically you had that one key line that comes from the cylon that we thought we would Never hear in a million years from a Cylon basically saying, you know, or, or it's basically saying, like, you know, uh, we are enemies and we're friends. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Tears your heart out of this one. And of course, Boomer gives the goodbye, like, my friend, my yeah. dear, dear friend. Yeah. I'll tell you, they really know how to go to the heartstrings for anybody who's watched, you know, the original Galactica saying, yes. wow, so we finally got a. A bit of closure, but maybe a little bit of openage for Starbuck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I'd yeah. say if there were loyal watchers to the show that felt that there was still a flame to be had, mm-hmm. if they watched this episode, say, guys, we have a case. Yes. So kind of think about it, guys. You know, like I said, maybe we don't need those two other guys, but let's get back to the basics. But mm-hmm. sadly, in the long run, it was kind of a great, excellent episode, but too little too late you know yeah and it absolutely kills you but at the same time it said you know at least they had what i consider to be a, to be a bowling turkey in this yes. not counting part one of uh the cylons of land yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was... the three episodes you know that uh silence of landed the uh space space croppers space croppers and uh and the return of starbuck we had seeds speaking of croppage we had seeds that probably could have had something that with a good harvest could have mm. actually been like, there's a way that we can kind of restart this. And yeah. I don't know how we're going to, but if we could just keep all the good elements of these three, mm. we might just have something, but you know, uh, ABC just had to make room for like best of the West and more seasons of soap <laughs> and Laverne and Shirley and, uh-huh. you know, maybe more episodes of Exodor on uh, more convinty. Mm. But, um, but here it's like, the show had some promise mm-hmm. right towards the end, but like I said, it was kind of like we had the touchdown pass, we got into the end zone, but time had run out two seconds yes. before that. Yeah, and yeah. there was no help. Yeah, it's a be- yeah, beautiful, beautiful hail mary pass, but it just didn't quite get it. Just that, yeah, it's it's I I I think it's I think it's a um. I really like the episode. I like. I I I will say when when the lady is introduced, uh-huh. I I kind of kind of wish it had just been Starbuck and the Cylon for the whole episode. 
Mm. Um, I get that it's Dr. Z's dream and something has to happen like that. And mm. I do like the fact that, um, I mean, to me, the, the, the angel woman, she's one of those people all in white from Galactica that right. appeared a few oh, yeah. times. Good, good, call. So, good call. So, so she, to me, she is someone who, I mean, I almost like the concept that, um, when a good soldier from Galactica or just from this world like crashes here and it's like you know what Starbuck may never make it back to see anyone ever again mm-hmm. so these people send someone down there just to just to watch him just to examine his life from that you know they they give him hope to live and they give him sort of like you said the, the spiritual offspring Mm. who can return to the Galactica. Starbuck himself can't, but he can sort of send something back who can help them. And and I like the fact that there, there's a, he's sort of, he's being watched. I guess if that's her guardian, his guardian angel in a way, that's just, he is being watched over at a time when, I mean, like you, like you said too, during, during the show, there were a couple episodes like this where characters got shot and crash landed, but we went and saved them. They can't at this point. They can't because they're like too close to Earth or they're whatever is happening. They can't stop and go back for him. Like, the, I mean, Apollo's not there, I guess. You well, know, I, I, they kind of wrote him off because, you know, they mentioned yeah. at the beginning that he had he had passed on. So yes, all we so, have is basically so, what was it, Apollo's son. You yes. Know, I think he, he was more, wasn't he more of a spiritual son too, in a way? Yeah. So they have yeah, I feel like kind of a yeah. spiritual offspring. He mm-hmm. had Boxy. And this one happens to be Doctor Z. Yes. So, so there's, it's, I, I almost would have loved it if the show went on, if if they could have done it almost more like a, um, if and this this is in a, a one one direction, but almost like almost almost like an anthology thing where you know maybe one episode follows Troy and Dylan doing something, and mm-hmm. then maybe every third episode we see Starbuck building his building his world. Yeah. And then maybe so, at some point later in the show, they, they meet mm. somehow. Maybe, I mean, they're traveling in time, right? Why yeah, can't they, why, why, why can't I they? I heard about you. Yeah, 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 why can't they travel, you know, time and space and go, and go back and, and pull Starbuck from this spot and bring, you know, something like that. But, but it's, 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 it's a... I, I think it's an excellent episode. Like like I said, when when Angela shows up, I get what I think I get what they're doing. It right. might be a, it might be a bit too on the nose, um, but and it's it's I, I love when that that scene where um, uh, Starbucks is, is explaining to Cy the way like human birth works and stuff like that, mm. and Cylon's <laughs> like, "This is this sounds like some kind of awful human plan. This is like I think it's is, easier to build one of us instead of instead of giving birth. You know, like yeah, just idea. like this just sounds like another bad human idea to me, and I, and mm. I like that. And so so I kind of wish that they had it, it had kind of been all of them, but mm. but like I said, I get what they were doing, and I get that it's Doctor Z's thing. I, I think the thing with Angela though is she's she's not a particularly interesting character. She's just kind of a no. dull angel kind of character. Or she's she's so, just there to suit suit the uh, human companionship. Uh, yes, exactly. She's she's kind of there to like like I said like I think to just like. Starbuck has now been separated from the fleet. He may never return. I'm there to sort of pass judgment. Does his sort of his spirit continue on, or should we just you know leave and go somewhere else? And she sees him, sees that he's a good man, and and Doctor Z 
flies from that and maybe he'll return and and so so i so i like that but and and again i get what they're doing but i i do kind of wish it had been the two of them just the whole time but that's just me being a little selfish um yeah. uh but in in the end in the end i think it's it's a it's a Dirk Benedict is great in it. The the whoever's doing Psy is is great, and 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 Angela she's fine. She doesn't really do much. She's just kind of there, and she's ethereal and barefoot mm. and pregnant. And overall, it's kind of a it's a strange ending for a show that in the previous couple episodes seemed to kind of get a tone and kind of accomplish something. That this mm. it's it's kind of strange that this is the last episode, mm. but in the end. In the end, like you said, the last three episodes have kind of shown that hey, maybe, maybe this could have worked. Maybe, maybe they were put in different spots of that that one season. Maybe they would have said, okay, there's hope, and a couple of sluggies, and oh, there's another one. Like if they would have showed their beats, the good beats, yes, early on instead of exactly. right towards it's... the end, that would have been something. And also, too, we finally gave a sense of purpose to Dr. Z saying like, exactly. now we know why he's here, you know, mm-hmm. is like exactly like what we thought was, okay, who the hell is this kid? You know, yeah, exactly. And luckily you... we find out later, well, there is sort of a purpose. If you're able to get to the end and stick with this, you'll find out exactly what that is. Right. There. Yes. So. And now when you, when you go back, if you watch Galactica 1980 again, and I can understand if you don't want to, mm-hmm. um, uh, but, but when you see Dr. Z from this point on, he, you, you think of, you think of Starbuck. You, you 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 know and 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 so that's it's 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 a sharp ending to a series that I now wish I'd see more of. I wish yeah. I could have seen more of because t- to be honest, throughout a good portion of the series, I was thinking, when are we wrapping this up? Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking, darn it! I I feel like you said, Glennie Larson, when when he start that three parter that he started it with, isn't representative of anything really or the, the the promise that of what the show could have been basically mm-hmm. it was yes. one of those say like okay let's get all of like whatever we were possibly going to do mm-hmm. on galactica if they ever were to get to earth well yeah you know, well, let's get the, the thought if they're really in with it on was and it's like some of them mm-hmm. were like okay and whatever i mean luckily within the last three episodes they show some purposes of what yes. we've had questioned you mm-hmm. know saying like Really, really, it's like, and you got to place that a little better amongst the season, you know, yes. rather than where they put it, because yeah. you could have spread this out throughout. I would have said, hey, you know, we got like this, you know, when you watch the regular, when we watch the regular show, we had moments like that that it mm-hmm. sort of gone into a path that wasn't, you know, had like that kind of like dead spot. It's like you yeah. had to bring the excitement, you know, you got to spread it out a little more and you yes. know, uh, yeah. share the wealth of sorts, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. here. Uh, unfortunately, the the best of it happened to come towards the end. In that way, and, so. and I think I think part of it too was did, didn't we say like at the start that you know Glennie Larson he he wrote that so, the sort of opening and then the network didn't like the time travel thing. So hmm. it was sort of if I remember if I remember I think I said that and I'm going to stand by that. So it was like he wrote the first three parter and half of it is time travel and then when it was all done the network said don't do that hmm. and like okay well that was half the that was half the, you know, the pilot. Um, okay, and and so now at that moment they're they're scrambling. Yeah, and I, I do I'm, I've got a plan here, and when Cy comes in with Angela, and I I think that, I think that works really nicely because, like the thing with Angela is like where the hell did she come from? 
And so she would appear to the Cylon because the Cylon would have known how lonely Starbuck was and how mm. much he liked ladies. And the Cy would have just been out wandering and been like, oh, there's a lady. Picked her up, brought her back. Oh, where'd you, where'd you, lady. Yeah, yeah where, where'd you find her? Well, she was just out there. Here, she's a lady. You know, and it's just like because she, because if she is an angel and she appears to the Cylon, the Cylon isn't going to have any, you know, concept of, oh my gosh, what the heck is this? He's just going to yeah, be well, like, oh, my, my friend needs a lady. Right, right. Did, did, did this uh, person come with an address label on it? Yeah. When do we send her <laughs> exactly, back? Exactly. So, but yeah, over, overall, it's, um, I guess if you want, I mean, we could segue into, I guess we've kind of said our overall thoughts on the show, but if you want to just, like, um, if, if you've got, I mean, I, I'm sure we could talk some more about the return of Starbucks, because I think, I think it works quite well. Like I said, Angela's a bit dull, but she's she's like an angel, so when, when you've got, like, basically the, the odd couple, and if you're suddenly introducing, <laughs> like, an angel to the odd couple, that character's probably going to be a little dull whether you like it or not. Yeah, and not only that, but also, you know, well, we can't exactly call her a pigeon sister. Yes, And, exactly, and you know, in this no, case, I said they're going to assume that Oscar Madison is is Starbuck because he's got the cigar. Yeah. And, you know, the silent, I mean, yeah, you know, that's another thing, too. It's like, couldn't Starbuck, they have gotten... Starbuck, Starbuck, Starbuck. Or couldn't they have gotten the Cylon to be voiced by Tony Randall? That would have been... Couldn't they? Brilliant! It would have, it would have foreseen been... Gremlins 2, for Christ's oh, sake. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, which was uh, just great. But, so, uh... Oh, I'm sorry. It ends, I have to say, the, the show and this episode ends with one of the best last lines of what could have been. And that's, the answer is out there yes. among the stars. Mm-hmm. And they show that, that shot out in the planet of Starbuck kind of looking out and that's it. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess so. Let's let's any any your final thought. I mean, we we've actually just kind of talked about what we thought about the whole series. Yeah. But any kind of any anything else about sort of the whole the whole. I mean, how about the whole thing? Can, okay, here's a, I, sum it, I sum it up. I sum it up in one statement mm. about Galactica 1980. It's a completest curiosity. I yep. think that's the best way I could sum this up on that mm-hmm. one. Because, like I said, you have some. I said the tail end of the stuff is good. Now you have to go through the murky jungle in order to get to three pieces of gold. Yes. That. That's how I, you know, yeah, it is basically Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom without thinking of these, the roller coaster. Uh-huh. Yeah. The roller coaster <laughs> element of it. But mm-hmm. you do have to tread some murky waters, some mm-hmm. bogs. Uh, you might run into a couple of leeches somewhere along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you can get through all of that, there might be three things that say, hey, we actually might have had something here. Yes. In the end, it's basically a maybe. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. a yes. It's not a no. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's areas that could have made it for a yes, but in the end, it ends up being kind of altogether. Uh, it's an entirely different kind of flying. No, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an entirely different kind of flying. <laughs> it, becomes a, it becomes a maybe on this one. But yes. in that one word, a completist curiosity yes yeah it's um it's it's it, it it has that thing where yeah glenn you know if if battlestar galactica was sort of like glennie larson kind of a dream show for him then galactica 1980 was like just really kind of in some ways i, I almost want to say crippling that dream in some fashion well and i, and I could oh. also think of it too marvel did a show recently a show called what if which i oh, think yeah. to me was mm-hmm. terrific and i feel like this is like the Galactica. What if? What if they found Earth? Yeah. What if they found Earth? 
What if the, what if they these kids came along? You know, what mm-hmm. if we got to see what Starbuck what happened to Starbuck? What if the Cylons came to Earth? As a, there's a yes. lot of what ifs there. You know, mm-hmm. and some are executed. Few of them are, are executed quite well, mm-hmm. and a few of them are well. You know, throw anything up to the thing, see if it sticks. You know, yes. that's kind of, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is the the Galactica What If series, the Galactica and, what uh, if series yeah. and um, in in the end, yeah, in, in the end, I think the the episodes that are uh, that I thought were duds, unfortunately, outweigh the ones that I liked. But the ones mm-hmm. that I like, like you said, show up at the end. So if you watch it in a row, you kind of leave the show on a high. Mm-hmm. And if you can, you know, maybe like if if you get to the end, you say, "I'm going to start again." If you start at the beginning of Battlestar Galactica. Rather than Galactica 1980, right. you can continue that high because the saga of a Star World is such a good opener. Sure, um, and it has uh, Rick Springfield. Yes, and it has Rick Springfield. Yes, yes, and you can't beat you can't beat that first hour or so just for um, I think Glennie Larson at some of his finest. And this finest is pretty darn tension. good, Glennie Larson too. And tension, yes, there's there's, yeah. there's tension there, and of course the immortal line from Adama before we go to the first commercial that was my son. Yes, that's. <laughs> That's from the first episode. But then when you get to this one, like I said, it does pay to know the history on mm-hmm. that one for the first one there. And I feel like, well, it's like when I watch Godfather 2 and I want to watch it as a, its own movie. And mm-hmm. it turns out, well, you come to the realization you can't have one without the other. Yes. And yeah. that I kind of have that feeling at points around this one. But mm-hmm. I, I, like I said, it's like I said, it's it's a maybe watch. Yeah. Feel what you want to feel about it. Don't take too much of it for canon, even though mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> and as as flawed as it happens to be, uh, but uh, in the in the end, you you kind of say to yourself, you know, like I said, you might look on to Battlestar Galactica a little differently. And then if you rewatch Galactica eighty, if you choose to, now that you know that those three episodes show what we had doubts about actually have purpose, you kind of have to go through like like the slow burn out of all of that. Yeah. Kind of so like yeah. when we get to like the real meat of the stuff you know mm-hmm. the one way you want to be asking for more boneless wings there you go I'm, I'm glad i'm glad we took the full journey through the entire uh galactica it was, Absolutely. It, was, it, was it was it was a fun journey sure. and i think i mean to be honest if I, I i find a lot of times when i cover the shows on here i don't watch them again for a while mm. and if i do go back and watch again i'll probably just watch battlestar galactica again yeah. i probably won't do galactica 1980 again but if i do i might include this episode Sure. Again, I mean, especially for like you know for you know whatever happened to Starbuck kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, and also too, you definitely want to watch Battlestar Galactica a little more because we do wonder would there have been a future with Adama and Brett Summers? Just so. Yeah, exactly, precisely. So, so that is um, that's Galactica 1980. Everyone, thanks thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I guess I'll just I'll just let it go and ask you, uh, sir, where uh, where can we find you online? What's going on? Well, you know, for those who want to know what I'm up to, whether it's once in a while or ever in a while or regularly, um, and almost in that order, uh, you can find me on. Can we call it Twitter again? I don't know. It's called X for a reason. You know, it's. I, I see X. I'm going like, is this going to be an element where someone's going to be going down in Scarface? I mean, come on. You know, just, <laughs> but you know, the formerly known as Twitter, not to be confused with the artist formerly known as Prince. You can find me on X. You can find me on Instagram, and you can find me on uh, Letterboxd uh, at CaptainBly76. 
And if you want to learn a little more or kind of keep a little up their way, update as what's going on in my head or the positive things that I like to throw out to the world every now and then, uh, you can find me on www.facebook.com slash Captain Bly. That's C-A-P-T-A-N-B-L-I-G-H spelled out. And I just want to say one more thing. I want to thank you, Daniel. Dan, oh, yes, of course, for of course. including me in this wonderful uh, Galactica yes. cast that we've been having, uh, both with the original show and with the continuation one season of Galactica 1980. It has been a hell of a ride. It's been yes. quite fun. And with all uh, with all given there, I said I, I hope at some point in the future that uh, with something else or anything else, that we get to do this again, for sure. Yes, we'll find something. We'll find something. Yeah. Uh, and th- thank you. And I think uh, we'll just close this out. I'm going to play you the one more time. Let's hear the Galactica theme. Here we go. <laughs>